Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and we'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. And just before I start, sending out a very special hello to Rob and Peter, who can't be with me. And this is the pandemic. Um, still, we're, we're in restriction and um, we're doing the show remotely from home. It's approximately 4.02 and first up on the show, we're going to be speaking with Lex Watton, who is um, an, um, a great leader and activist from Palm Island. And Lex Watton was violently taken into police custody in the early hours of November 27th, 2004, following his part in the actions protesting the death in custody of Maruji Damaji. He spent two years in prison for his activism and when finally released was gagged from speaking about the incident by Queensland Community Corrections. Now we're going to be speaking with Lex um, about some media hype and some very, very racist uh, media hype, I have to say, that's been conducted by Channel 9 in regards to the lawsuit that he initiated along with Palm Island, other, other Palm Island community members. And I'm going to give you a little bit of background about that before we speak with Lex because it's important to give listeners a little bit of an introduction. But before I do that, I'm also going to tell you, tell listeners that Chris Breen from the Refugee Action Collective is going to be coming on as well later on. And he's going to be speaking about thousands of asylum seekers on bridging visas who are not eligible for any form of Centrelink payments and they miss out completely on all government assistance due to coronavirus alongside those on temporary work visas. And we're going to be speaking with him about the effect that the pandemic is having on asylum seekers and refugees. It's a violation of human rights. And so we'll, we'll speak to him about that later on, and also talking about other, other updates that he wishes to tell us. So just to give a little bit of an introduction um, about what happened with Lex. So police actions on that day when he was arrested were violent, intimidatory, and a state of emergency was declared on the island, riot police wearing balaclavas and armed with semi-automatic rifles stormed households late at night, pointing weapons at, weapons at children and elderly people and arresting with extreme force. And Watton himself was tasered in front of his home while his family watched. 
And Lex, if you're on hold and listening, um, I apologise. But I, for if it's caused you, I'm hoping it's not going to cause you trauma. But I had to actually say this on air to give listeners a bit of background. Watton, along with his wife Cecilia and his mother Agnes, and on behalf of the entire class of Indigenous people on Palm Island who were residents during the 2004 protests, um, had brought a class action against the Queensland Police to seek redress for the racial discrimination exhibited by police during November of 2004. His lawyers, Levitt Robinson solicitors, alleged institutionalised racism on the part of Queensland Police, not only in the violent behaviour towards Palm Island residents, but also in their failure to adequately investigate the death in custody of Damaji. And there's a little bit of a quote here. People, Lex says, people are still very scarred and affected by what took place in 2004. And, and by the way, Lex was successful in his actions and he had plans for how the compensation could serve the people of Palm Island. Lex is not about money, as, as, um, as Channel 9 is saying. And it's, it's extremely racist, all this media hype. And we're going to be speaking to him about the fact that despite all this humanitarian stuff that Lex has been doing, and despite the fact that he was gagged after he got out of prison, while he was on parole, he wasn't allowed to speak to the media, you're going to hear the real story. Because 3CR um, gives us the real story about things. We're here to provide alternative media and a safe environment for First Nations people and indeed a safe environment for all vulnerable communities. So we're going to be speaking with Lex now because Channel 9 is saying and other media outlets are saying that the compensation was spent was spent on motorbikes and luxury things, which is simply not true. So we're going to be speaking now with Lex Watton shortly and we're going to, we're going to talk to him very soon. G'day, my name is Margie Thorpe. You are listening to 3CR Community Radio, 8.55 on your dial. G'day, you mob. Kutcher Edwards here. I just want to send out a message to you all. To stop the spread of COVID-19, also known as the coronavirus, it is advised that you keep 1.5 metres away from each other. Follow rules on social gatherings. Wash your hands when appropriate and stay home if you're feeling sick or unwell. But most of all, keep strong, stay safe. And of course, keep listening to 3CR Community Radio to keep connected to the community. We'll get through this and hope to see you real soon. Bye. And you're back with the Doing Time show, and it's approximately 4.07, and we're listening, we're listening to 3CR. Hello, Lex. Welcome to the program. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Welcome to the program, Lex. Can yes, you hear thanks. me? Yes. It's lovely to have you. Now, did you hear that introduction, Lex? Yes, yes. Good, good. So it is important, isn't it, that we speak to listeners about that. And I suppose I just wanted to hear from you because this media um, story on Channel 9 
is actually quite deplorable, isn't it? But you know, they they make uh, they make Palm Island look really bad, and uh, you know they talk about. The residents, they talk about how the residents won their legal fight against the Queensland Police Service. And they talk about how violent they were and saying that the compensation money was spent recklessly on luxury. Can you comment on that? Well, like, like you said, um, yes, there was a bit of luxury that it was spent on some of the money, but that's their money and they spend it however they want to spend it. You know exactly. What I mean? And... Um, it's, it's no one's business. And um, as you stated, it wasn't about money. As uh, I think I raised it with you some years ago, how I would have liked to have seen the compensation um, awarded to us was to, for the state to um, fund programs for, say, about 20 years without um, fail. And um, I didn't want uh, monetary um compensation towards individuals or myself, uh, oh, yeah, it would be good to get it myself, you know what I mean? Because I'm the one who's putting the neck out there, you know what I mean? And, uh, so it didn't go to you, it went to the community? No, well, I did receive some monetary um, yeah. thing, and that was after we actually um, were awarded. And um, But as you, if you could um, go back to the time when um, it was... Um, stated that we um, we were right in our thing and that um, the state, uh, well, the, the Crown, I suppose, uh, but federal high courts found in our favour, um, the state wanted to settle the matter by giving me my payment and then um, in the process after they had a, um, 21 days to uh, lodge an appeal and on the last day of the 21 days, um, they actually lodged an appeal, and um, then it sort of brought more thing, but we were more or less preparing to um, fight them, but then others got into action where there they were petitions. Um, I think we there was a petition put out on our behalf for the state to um, drop the, um, the um, appeal and just pay, the, pay us out, and... Um, so we were looking for 25,000 uh, signatures. We got over well over 30-something thousand signatures. And then um, there were other things that happened at the time, and I also, it was pretty close to some state election. And I said... Now, I'd which petition was this, Lex? This is for the um, state to drop the suit. Oh, yes, yes. And so... so um, then I also announced that I'd be running in the um, uh, state seat of Townsville just to um, take away the votes by taking away the whatever numbers here from Palm Island because Palm Island determines the seat of Townsville, federal and state. Um, yeah. So whether that was all part of the things, so they decided to um, drop the... Um, Appeal, I don't know, but then there were um, media reports saying that the um, state, um, their um, head um, solicitor said, look, just pay the community out and, you know, get on with things. And so that's why the state um, decided to drop the um, appeal. And then we went into negotiations on how much... Um, 
so we had a bit of time to um, then. Um, I think we had 12 months to um, get claimants registered, and out of, it was open to 2,000 people. Only 447 local people claimed, and um, yes. due to some um, some of the leaders at the time with their um, hatred towards myself were informing community people not to um, lodge a claim because they didn't believe that uh, they would receive anything out of it. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. their bad luck. And then, uh, as of recent, when there was a bit of a pay- payment uh, early February, I think, or late February, March, there was some, the 90% of their payments were um, awarded to the claimants. Um, when they had the ones who missed out aired um, the amounts, and the Blake kicking up a stink and wanting to, um, they had petitions and stuff, wanting to petition the state to um, pay them out, but already signed off, you know what I mean? But You know, Lex, it sounds on. like yeah. a bit of a mess to me. It sounds like it's a bit of a mess, and I think really mm. what this boils down to, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, mm. is that really this, this shouldn't be about money or what it was spent on. And I'll, I'll make a correction on there because I said it wasn't true that um, there were luxury items. But it isn't true, really, across the board because not everybody would have done that. And also, you're right, it's none of anyone's business if people want to buy luxury, luxury mm. things. I mean, what, what, is it, what is it to the media? What is it to the government as to how people spend their money anyway? Uh, probably once a promotion. I saw another um, reporter from the same bloody um, channel, uh, Channel yeah. 9, um, did a same did a report on me, and his name was Tim Arbia, and he had the same um, police officer Kathy Richardson come to my house uh, while I was going home for lunch on the particular day, and sort of ambushed me. And um, when at the time when um, it was in the media that um, the state settled with us, um, yeah, they were spreading the um, rumours or gossip to um, get public opinion, I suppose, of support around um, why we should receive the money and saying that um, none of the police officers were awarded any compensation. But as my lawyer said, and which was true, all the police officers that were here on the island at the time received bravery awards. And not only that, uh, the truth is they all actually um, have left the force saying they were too traumatised from what happened here on Palm Island and that they're all on post-traumatic stress disorder and they're all going to be paid up until the time they retire. That's what the, um, why the public don't know about what happened. Yeah, so Absolutely. They're on pay. And, um, but going back to, yes, where they spent the money, that's no one's business. But the thing is, they received the money and they did what they did. And I've seen a lot of good things. What the reporter didn't report was what I said to him, um, thinking that he was doing the right thing by me. I, I told him that all the generosity that I've seen from people, and you would have seen if you seen the report, they would have added and cut things to suit themselves. And there was yeah. not one mention of, someone being deceased that received the money, or deceased people received money, which is true. There were people that claimed for money, but they are deceased at the moment, and 
if they had an estate, then that estate is entitled to that uh, money and stuff absolutely, like that. Absolutely, Lex. No, you, you, you're absolutely and, right. And in fact, you know, it's perfectly all right, isn't it, for, for mining corporations and yeah. uh, to grow fat on the profits of nuclear testing and, uh, and, and nuclear um, mining. And it's perfectly mm. all right for them to buy yachts. But, you know, when you talk about Aboriginal people, you've got a lot of 1788 all over again mentality where they're saying that Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islanders are always trying to reap um, financial benefits for themselves. And well, did that they ever do a report on stolen wages and how yes. much millions and billions of dollars have been stolen from our, our, our um, welfare packs? Yeah, and we've been pushed off the land so that they can rape the land and bloody do everything else what they did today. And now we we got to fight to actually prove our um what is it our um, traditional ownership of certain parts of the country. You know what I mean? So they don't talk about that and all the rape of the land and what they did to us. Yes, you know all of this stuff is yeah. I don't want to go down that track, but the thing is. Um, Look, there is um, Media Watch will be doing a spread tonight, from what I was told, on all of this stuff. And um, the report itself was way out of line, and it was a racist report. But they need Very to be held accountable for, for what um, the report that they've done. Like I said, the, this bloke is probably looking for a, a, um, a promotion because, like I said, the reporter that ambushed me before, I've seen him only two weeks ago, a week before this report. Um, he was reporting from um, Washington, a Tim Arbia. And um, so whether he got a promotion from Rupert Murdoch, I don't know. I, you know, I, maybe this blog wants the same. You know, I, I don't know. But no, anyway, I know what you're saying. Um, but it's, it's these media outlets, you know, from what I'm seeing here, I'm just having a look at the Channel 9 report here. And the thing that, that is, is very, very racist here as well... They don't say not why, why we yeah. received the money. They don't say Correct. why. That's exactly the children right. children had guns held to their heads. They don't see why the judge saw in our favour. They didn't even report why the judge ruled in our favour. Because it should have the been reported. Because the state of emergency, Marissa, was of found to be illegal. So they were That's here right. on false pretenses from the very beginning. It was all of smoke screen to cover up the real issue of the police officer killing one of our own, our own locals. And you, Lex, listen to this. talk about that. Exactly. Sorry. I'm just going to show you here, and you probably know this already, and I, I was going to ask you to comment, comment on this. Not only did they, did they make comments about the, the sports cars and everything, but... Nowhere in there do they talk about what happened and why this happened. Like you said, all they say is, oh, no, I know, November 26, 2004, rampaging residents fueled by the death of one of their own in custody, that they, mm. they burnt down the police station, courthouse and an officer's residence. Mm. Like, all they're talking about is how the local police were affected, you know, and, and, they, and they call you rioters. I mean... They're making out like like Aboriginal people just want to well, get the money. Marissa, they didn't talk about how the police officer, they say 
that they ran for their lives. And in that clip that they showed, they didn't run for this. They were walking to the hospital and they had smiles on their face. So they went in fearing for their lives. Yes, they show a clip where young locals were throwing rock at them. But who, they don't, if you really look into the thing, who shushed them and quiet those young fellows down? It was me. And if we really wanted to get in behind that fence, all we had to do is walk in around the fence that they went ran into, into the barracks. The gate was left open. All of that system, it's all um, part of the um, court, you know, the legal process. It was all uncovered, all the, the lies. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's just a cover-up, you know, police investigating police. And, you know, it, it's such a... Um, a mockery. A they've made, yeah. they've a, made a mockery old, of them in his death. Yeah. A three-year-old supposed to have bought himself a vehicle and two friends of his. What I did tell the reporter, it was my niece that bought three cars. And that's their business, what she did with it. She bought it for her sister, herself, and her mother. But they say it was a three-year-old. How oh. false is that? And the boat that they show on this on this particular um, barge barge to the island, it was a boat that a local person who received finance, and that's some two years ago. Bring the Human ago. Rights and Equal Opportunity Commission. And and they reporting that the boat and the bloke, I was only well, two other young blokes told me they brought it to my attention. And they said, that boat belongs to so-and-so. So I rang him up. He said, yeah, that's my boat. And then I had um, ABC ringing the other day, and he confirmed it to him. So that's on uh, Media Watch Tonight. So all your listeners, watch a bit of the Media Watch Tonight. Get it out there as of from this um, interview up until tonight, just letting people know that, you know, be on the Is Media Watch, watch going to be all right, though, Lex? Well, Media Watch... You know, I like watching it, and they, you know, yeah. try and... Um, They'll be better, yep. yeah. Yeah. They'll but try and know, bring facts to... You know what, what's really sad, Lex? I'll tell you what's really, really sad, what I found very, very disrespectful, um, that I was having a look at this Channel 9 report, and it says that Domaji died in custody at Palm Island Police Station after being arrested for being drunk and causing a nuisance. What a disrespect. That's Bullshit. To the death. They found that what 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 the three coronal inquest found that he shouldn't as it was the last resort for him to be arrested, and then he offended no one, even the bloody police liaison officer who he's supposed to have sworn at, which he didn't swear at. All he said to him was, "You shouldn't be locking up your own." And then he really got offended because it was his intent to go and bloody arrest him. To bloody and do what he wanted to. I don't know. He might have had a bloody bad morning that evening. Well, you know. Yeah. He had a he had a partner at the time, and she was pregnant. Maybe he had a blue with air that morning. We don't know. We'll never know. No, we won't. Yeah? But you know, I'm so glad that that you were able to come on air, Lex, and and talk about this because. Really, this is not about justifying why you got the money. It's not about that. This is really about reporting on some of the atrocities that happened. And looking oh, at the fact a lot of this. That's right. And compensation doesn't actually 
erase the trauma. But, you know, what, you're, you're entitled to get some money. Well, the court's found in our favour, so what's wrong with that? What, the, what the wider public should know and, and don't know, if they don't, is that the lawyer who fought for my bloody thing is the lawyer who fought for those useless bloody white people who put their monies into investment in Storm Financial and then he got the monies back out of the banks for them, you know? So, and there was no kick up or stink about yeah. the people who foolishly tried to invest their money in, in, in a, a Ponzi and stuff like that, you know? That's Where's exactly the, right. I mean, you know, that. same lawyer was, who won yeah. voting is the same lawyer who got those bloody foolish people their money's back off the banks. That's right. The Queensland government lost the class action. Too bad. That's it. You know, you know? They, they... Look, if they would have settled with us in the way I wanted to settle, we had three lots of negotiations before we went to court. And they believed that we would we didn't have a case, so we continued. And the lawyer told them at the very beginning, "Look, Mr. Watton will not be short on finance to um, fight you." And we were successful. And they had the opportunity to appeal, but if it's the case that their lawyer said to them, "Don't worry about trying to appeal this thing." because it could cost you even more. And the, you know, what like, they don't realise, like I said, Ms. Marissa, yeah. 447 people claim it was open to 2,000 people. If the 2,000, or even if it was 1,500 to 2,000 people claim, how much more it would be? That's exactly right. I agree with you, Lex. And, you know, it makes me sick to the stomach reading this stuff. There's... They're listing all the items that people bought. You know, luxury boats and lavish items purchased with the compensation. You know, so I'm I, hoping Media Watch is better. So, what, I, I'm in a, I'm, so what, I'm in a shop, uh, in a furniture store in there, and then five families, five different families come in and bought furniture. So what, they're not entitled to buy furniture? Uh, you know, look, Lex, you know what, don't worry about cars, it. The report they show this bloody stupid um, boat dealer carrying yeah. on about one of the, uh, uh, someone buying a boat. What it was? Well, the truth is, the matter is, he only sold one boat. Yeah. I, I, I heard of a boat shop that sold out bloody ten or twelve boats. So back to the maybe because they want to buy. Maybe because he didn't get the sale, so he. Puts a racist report out. I don't know. I had you a know, go Lex, at the buddy. Yep. I'm glad you come on to the I got show. my car in there. I got my car in there, service at the moment, and I gave him some money, and I said, look, give me my money. Yeah. You can, buddy, give me my money back, take my car out, stuff you, I'll go and put it somewhere else. You know, ring it on my pocket. I'm, I can assure you, they're... No one from the thing. I said, well, we must be stupid because if you look in the background, we see Castle Hill, which is in Townsville. We're not silly, you know? No. And he's supposed to put out a media report. I've never seen it. Oh. So I'm getting my money's back. They can go and get stuffed. 
Yeah, yeah. But look, I, I hope you, you've been able to, to help you and your family with some of that money, Lex. Yeah, well, look, I do the right thing. I, I don't drink, gamble or smoke, so, I, you know... Don't I'm tell me how you've spent it. That's business. Business. You know, we don't need to throw no, 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 money. No, no. That's OK. What he, what he didn't report is what I'm going to do with the money. I'm setting up a small business here. We but how embarrassing... Shopping How embarrassing. Put up. Yeah. And money's going towards that. We don't have a... And Marissa, from, listen there. From the very beginning when we won the thing and they were all the bloody rednecks were out there having their say, whether it's social media or whatever, what they done, the thing is what I said at the time, yes, Palm Islanders who will benefit out of this money through um, compensation, we will benefit materially to a certain degree, but we don't have an economy in your palm on. The council economy economy will benefit more than the Palm Islanders because that's where we go when we want to buy something. We don't go to Ingham, which is straight opposite and closer. We go to Townsville, which is further apart, but it's that's bigger, right. and that's where yeah. we go to. Yep. The ferries, the motels, the bloody Yes. Um, fast food, all of that stuff when the people got their money, you know, um, the furniture, uh, the barge service, everyone, they're still backed up for three months trying to get stuff over here. So Shame on the corporate media. Benefits. Shame on the corporate media. Who's been that they're, they're not reporting the real story. That's it. Shame. You know, and every night, what you listen to every night on the media, on the news, the economy, the economy, the economy. That's all white man talks about. He worries about that. What, a black man can't have a bit of money and then spend it? That's exactly right. Lex, we're running out of time. We're going to be interviewing um, Chris Breen soon from the Refugee Action Collective, but I wanted to really thank you so much for coming onto the show. That's okay, Radio. As long as I get the message out there, like I said, Watch tonight, media, watch and see what the report is all about. And hopefully it's yes. a good report. And, you um, did get yeah, the message out loud and clear. Social, yeah. Whether it's on yeah. social media or whatever. Yeah. Don't worry, Lex. You don't worry, OK? No, I'm not worried. Thank Nothing you so much. You, you take care. Yes, OK. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. OK. Yes, soon. Bye-bye. Fitzroy Legal Service has launched a free information and advice phone service for people who have been stopped, questioned, fined or charged for breaching the new COVID-19 restrictions. Have you been fined or charged under the new laws or stopped and questioned by police for being outside? Call 0434 136 501. Weekdays between 9am and 5pm. That's 0434 136 501. Or head to fitzroy-legal.org.au for more information. You can also report incidents at covidpolicing.org.au. Fitzroy Legal Service is a 3CR supporter.
Throughout the month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical community-owned media during our June Station Appeal. We'll be taking donations online to help keep the station going for another year. Like so many community organisations, we're feeling the impact of COVID-19 restrictions. And we know you are too. But independent community media is more important than ever. And we hope you can show your support with a donation. The 3CR Station Appeal starts on Monday the 1st of June. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. 3CR, here to stay. Radio and it's the Do and Time show. And you just heard an interview with Lex Watton, respected Palm Islander and activist and um, an Indigenous person who speaks about a lot of atrocities that have happened and bad media reporting in regards to the class action. Watch Media Watch tonight um, to have a look at more of that report. And coming up now, we're going to be speaking with Chris Breen from the Refugee Action Collective. And as I said in my intro early on in the show, we're going to be speaking with Chris about um, the refugees that are suffering from lack of income support in regards to the coronavirus, but also we spoke off-air the other day and he wants to give um, some other updates of his own. Hello, Chris. Welcome to the program. Hello, Marissa. Thanks for having me on. Lovely to have you. Now, I'm wondering if you could talk about um, some of the issues that have, that have arisen um, in regards to not just um, asylum seekers, but also uh, what's been happening with you with the protest laws. Uh, happy to do that. Um, the, the protest laws is more about the refugees held in detention, but I'll start with the refugees who are in the yep. community who are also in uh, desperate circumstances. Yes. Uh, there's two groups, uh, by and large. So you've got refugees on, uh, or asylum seekers on bridging visas who um, came here uh, before 2013, or July 2013, and they're, because of the government's no-advantage policy, have still been waiting seven years to have their claims you know, processed. So they're sort of in limbo. And... Um, they had been getting uh, a, 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 a small payment that was 80% of the dole, which has been cut for large numbers of them. And they are currently not eligible for Job Seeker, which is Centrelink, or Job Keeper. So these are people in the community that have basically no income now. They're entirely reliant on uh, charity. And so you have circumstances where people can't eat, can't pay their bills, can't top up their mobile phones, uh, can't run cars. Uh, you know, it puts enormous strain on children, uh, enormous strain on housing. Uh, you know, I've heard stories of, um, you know, four families living in a two-bedroom flat, people living in garages, you know, multiple families uh, because they've got nowhere else to go. Um, and people who've got, um, you know, ongoing conditions, like, for instance, diabetes, that their need for insulin doesn't stop, uh, but suddenly they can't afford it and they, you know, they need charity to maintain that. Um, 
And uh, Settlement Services uh, International did a survey of um, 500 um, uh, temporary visa holders, which is those people and also people on uh, temporary protection visas. And more than 80% of them said they'd lost their jobs or had their hours reduced um, in the past eight weeks. Uh, 62% reported going without meals. 76% couldn't meet rent or mortgage payments on time. Uh, 50% had been unable to access necessary medic- medication or health services. And when they're on bridging visas, they often have to reapply for them every three months. And then there's problems uh, getting work permits sometimes in the meantime. There's problems getting Medicare. So many of these, these people don't have um, even uh, Medicare. And it's, you know, it's a, a crime what is being done to these um, people. Definitely a crime um, against humanity. Yeah, it is. So, you know, we're not all in it. The government talks about being all in it together. We're not at all. Um, and, it, you know, it affects, I mean, some of the people are, are married to Australian citizens. So even, you know, Australian citizens are affected by the, um, the you know, these, these uh, horrid circumstances. And uh, temporary protection visas, which are people, you know, who might have been here for 10 years and working and paying tax for, for 10 years, um, are not eligible for JobKeeper. They can get uh, Centrelink, but they don't get the government's um, JobKeeper payment, uh, which makes life, you know, enormously uh, difficult for those people. And so we're saying that both the refugees on bridging visas and the refugees on TPVs and um, the, the Chev visas uh, should be eligible for all the same payments that we get, uh, which is JobKeeper and JobSeeker, I mean, particularly now that Scott Morrison made the you know $60 billion error and that there is another $60 billion they're prepared to spend uh, but now have up their pocket, there, there is no excuse for not uh, providing the measly amount um, that, you know, that would help these uh, refugees in the community. And nowhere has that been cited in media sources. I fail to find any other media sources that have talked about this. Um, by and large, that's true. Uh, you might find some little bits on SBS or ABC, yes, yes. but but by and large, it's it's been uh, buried a tiny amount. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, the pandemic has definitely made it worse. I mean, it was like this before the pandemic, anyway. But it's it's worse now. Yeah, no, it is worse because. Um, before the pandemic, uh, even though people had no um, access to government support, and these are people who are vulnerable, often haven't, uh, don't speak um, English well, um, have you know survived torture, trauma, all sorts of things. Many of them had uh, work. You know, they might have been working in construction and paying tax and working alongside other people. But losing their jobs now, they don't get the same welfare that everybody else gets, and it, it you know, it's just, it's, it's, in, it's horrific to think that your people's entire lives, whether you eat, whether you get medicine, is dependent on charity, on the goodwill of others, and often that's charity that doesn't go far enough. I mean, I do know organisations giving out food parcels, and it doesn't go far enough, and it's, yeah, it's. It, 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 it needs to change. It has to change. Definitely so. And so let's let's watch that space. Yeah, I, I should add uh, Refugee Action Collective has a forum um, coming up about it yes. on Monday, June the 
first at 6.30 via Zoom. If you go to our Facebook, you'll see it. And we've got um, Hassan Jabba from uh, Justice for Refugees Victoria and also Samuel Dariol from the Refugee Council of Australia speaking to you know just say a little bit more about what's happening with the situation and what people can do. That's fantastic. And Hassan has actually been on this show quite a few times and has talked extensively about this topic. Tell us about the mantra, Chris. The mantra um, if, if anything, the Mantra Hotel is even worse. There are 65 refugees in the Mantra Hotel who came to Australia under the Medivac laws for medical treatment, and which they often haven't received. Um, and so I've got all sorts of underlying um, issues from, you know, diabetes, kidney disease, asthma, uh, that makes them, you know, vulnerable to COVID-19. They spent... Six years imprisoned um, offshore on Manus and Nauru. Uh, and they've now spent around about 10 months in the Mantra Hotel. And it's a similar situation for about 150 refugees at Kangaroo Point Hotel in Brisbane um, and uh, maybe about uh, 40 or 50 at Mida in Broad uh, Meadows. And um, they're indefinitely detained. Um, they Their uh, mental health has deteriorated, and many of them have, you know, mental health problems already, you know, broken by detention, quite intentionally so, deteriorated with the threat of COVID-19 because they've got no ability to protect themselves. Um, right. You know, they're forced to sleep three to a room. There's no space for social distancing in activity areas in the kitchen. Um, they live, you know, sleep three to a room and they're handled by multiple guards uh, who don't, you know, necessarily use gloves or any sort of protection. Um, you know, there might be 90 guards who go through uh, in the in the course of a, a day. Yes. And they are terrified about getting uh, COVID-19. There's no good reason that they should be in there. There is momentum um, building to free them. Uh, the Refugee Action Collective had a, a great uh, protest uh, two Saturdays ago, probably... 150 people in rotating groups of 10 to comply with the new health uh, regulations. And we've got another, which is going to be a National Day of Action at 2pm on Saturday, June 13, um, outside the, the Mantra and possibly uh, Mitre in Broadmeadows as well. And people will be doing stuff in Kangaroo Point and in Sydney on that same day, uh, calling to free those uh, refugees. And without wanting to go into too much detail, because we can't discuss legal strategy, given that, um, you know, there is a court case coming soon, um, mm. I believe that a lot of people were fined, um, you know, during the car calvary that happened. In yes, the, in so the we, um, we, we think there's an importance because the refugee stories are not getting out into the media to public protest, so it gets seen, it gets into the media... And so we held a car convoy on April the 10th, uh, Good Friday. It was about 30 um, cars. It was completely safe, no more than two people per car from each household. Um, and that protest was stopped from going ahead at all. Uh, 30 refugee supporters were fined $1,652 each, making a total of almost $50,000 in fines. I didn't even get to go to the protest. Uh, I, my house was raided. I was charged with incitement for being one of the protest organisers. 
and have a court case coming up on the 6th of August. And the one little bit of good news there is that the um, police uh, seized all of my computers, including my son's computer, my phone, and uh, we did have a little win in court where a magistrate ordered them to give all of my equipment back, and I now have my computers back. I've got my work computer back. I've got my son's computer back. So um, that's a little win. And there They're not is... broken, are they? Like, is everything in there? Uh, there were my son's computer and my computer had been bumped a bit, um, so it took us a day to set them up again. I, you know, there was something wrong with the settings of the clock, and once I fixed that, it was okay. But it was annoying. Um, but otherwise, they're working, and certainly support is growing to drop the charges. Uh, I think there's six unions now who've called to drop the fines and the charges. Uh, my own union, the education uh, union, has um, you know supporting me, calling for the the charges to be dropped. Uh, the CFME, CFWMEU, uh, gave us a thousand dollars and is calling for the, the fines to be and charges to be dropped. Uh, and you know support support is certainly uh, growing. Um, and you know I think uh, the. the the hypocrisy around some of these laws, that the charges just looking increasingly um, silly. Like the, you know, the, the day after we organised that car convoy, there was a country fire authority convoy for a hundredth birthday. The police themselves have organised car convoys for a child's birthday. Um, and anti-lockdown protests without social distancing haven't been treated in the same way with the same number of fines. You know, it's a, it's it's the crime is what is being done to the refugees in the Mantra Hotel. Right. Our protests were safe. Those detention centres aren't. What's happening with the Mantra at the moment, Chris? I mean, is, is, are there um, people still in the Mantra? So yeah, there's still 65 people in the Mantra. There was a 32-year-old um, uh, Tamil man that I know who attempted uh, suicide last week. Um, he's, you know, he's somebody who's been part of the, the, the protest, but it's just it gets to people after, you know, almost seven years. Um, and he was taken to hospital um, unconscious. Um, and fortunately, he's OK. Uh, but worse than that, when they took him back, they didn't take him back to the mantra where he knows people. They took him to Mitre Detention Centre in uh, Broad Meadows and they put him in a, um, a solitary confinement for five days. Um, you know, it's I, I, it's it's hard to think of anything uh, more cruel uh, than somebody who is suicidal to put them in a, a punishment room um, on the turn for five days. Um, there are, you know, uh, psychologist associations who are, you know, putting in letters of protest about that. Um, you know, mental health professionals that were getting it chased up, but it, it, it you know, this is part of the. Um, Cruelty and the quite deliberate cruelty uh, which which goes on. Um, I mean, the one other thing with there's a, a resident opposite the Mantra Hotel who's got a huge wall, and we've now got a, a big professional um, banner ready to go up on that. There was a, a temporary one that apparently security guards from the Mantra cut down, but we'll you know uh, we'll stop that this time around. Um, so. We are continuing to, you know, we're, we're not going to stop protesting. And if anything, the protests will get bigger and support is, is growing. I mean, you know, the more that people know about this, 
the more that people say, as you know, the refugees are saying, it can't go on, enough is enough, it has to stop. What was the feeling um, down at the protests since the restrictions were lifted and now there can be 10 people outside? What was the feeling of the police? Were there any fines um, issued? Um, I, because of my bail conditions, I couldn't go to the protest. I did watch it all via the live stream. Um, and I mean, again, it's an indication. I think some 10,000 people have now watched that live stream of the, um, the protest. Uh, there was some police harassment of, um, there were some, you know, people and residents standing watching and they got told to move on, but there were no fines issued. And I think it's because, um, we've stood our ground because there is support growing. Importantly, Lydia Thorpe, um, former uh, uh, MP for Northcote, uh, Greens MP, uh, spoke. Uh, Gaetano Greco, um, who is one of the local councillors in Darabin, also spoke. Um, and so I think, you know, for police to have fined people, it would start to raise questions about who are the police acting for, if not, you know, um, the local councillors and so forth. Uh, so they didn't issue fines. Uh, we think that was a little bit of a win, and it gives us more confidence uh, to, you know, to go on and organise further protests. Uh, you know, within complying with, with, um, you know, uh, social distancing. As you complied um, at Easter. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and I think that you know I, I wanted to actually do an extended interview with you, Chris. I hope you don't mind that because we really did have a lot to talk about. And I think it's really important also to stress to listeners that these asylum seekers at the Mantra are being locked up there indefinitely, aren't they? Uh, yes. It's, I mean, as, as Moz says repeatedly, what's their crime? Tell him what his crime is. He's been there seven years. Uh, he has committed no crime. He hasn't been charged. It, it, it's abhorrent um, and it has to end... And we need more people to be speaking out for it. Um, you know, Jed Carney and Peter Khalil are two federal Labor MPs who um, spoke it out to release the people, the, the men at the Mantra Hotel. We need more Labor MPs to do so. I mean, these refugees came under Medivac laws, which Labor supported. It's about time for Anthony Albanese to step up. It's time for Daniel Andrews, who has been, you know, completely silent on both the right to protest and the question of refugees, uh, to speak up for these people who are having, you know, crimes committed against them. Absolutely. And, and, and definitely a violation of, of human rights. Now, this particular charge that you were given, or, mm. um, it's actually a 1958 law, isn't it? Uh, it comes from the 1958 Crimes Act. It's probably an earlier law than that. In 1958, the Crimes Act was sort of revisited, rewritten, and there's a whole lot of laws that sort of come from that uh, period. But yes, it's an old law. It hasn't been much used. It was last used against uh, protesters in 1992 um, for a, a group called the Odd Study Five. There was a student protest that ran past police up Parliament steps and five of the organisers were charged with incite to riot. Um, they were found uh, not guilty, and it hasn't been used since then. So it was, it was the, set an enormously worrying precedent if I was to be found um, guilty um, of this. Uh, you know, long after 
any health restrictions have been gone, it could be used against unionists to organise industrial action outside the, the narrow legal window of enterprise bargaining. It could be used against climate activists. It's you know it's a, it's a worrying um, precedent that I've been charged um, under that act. An injury to one is an injury to all. Absolutely, um, and you know that's what some of our t-shirts say. We've got unions for refugees t-shirts that say that you know touch one, touch all. Um, it applies to the refugees. It applies to you know protesters who are drawing attention to their plight. Um, and we you know we call on on, on Daniel Andrews that the, the crime is not those of us calling attention to what's happening, it's what's actually happening. Does it carry time in prison? Sorry, say that again? Does the charge, um, if a person is found guilty, does it carry time in prison? No, it actually doesn't. Um, and, I mean, it's one of the indications of it, that it's, it's been used and dragged out of the bottom drawer to intimidate so the penalty that I faced can't be more than the actual crime, so-called crime. In this case, um, the breach of the health laws, uh, which is um, up to $20,000, but more likely it would be 1652 the same as um, you know, the, the, uh, the other protesters uh, received. It wasn't um, even a breach of the health laws anyway. No, I, I certainly didn't breach health laws, um, no. And there's nothing wrong with saying that on air. Now, just a last uh, No, there, there is not. It, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? Like, it's, it, there's nothing wrong with saying that. You, you, yeah. you didn't breach the health laws. And, and yeah. No, no, we, we, we take COVID very seriously. The refugees yeah. in the Mantra Hotel take COVID very seriously. Uh, you know, we, we don't want anybody to get uh, COVID. Um, you know, I mean, it's abhorrent. You look at the situation in the United States and COVID has ripped through prisons like Rikers Island. Um, you know, it was a, probably a couple of weeks ago that I looked at the statistics, but there were five deaths then, hundreds of detainees. I think almost a 1,000 um, guards had got COVID. It, 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 you know, yeah. uh, we don't yeah. want that to happen here. No, we do not. And of grave concern also, Chris, is your bail conditions. So your bail conditions prevent you from going to protest. Isn't that... Uh, no, the, the, the no? bail conditions don't prevent me from going to protest. Yeah, let's clarify that. The yep. bail conditions um, say that I can't breach the health laws, which are okay. actually all... Everybody on bail is getting that at the moment. And it was just the lawyers being very conservative who said I should just be careful. Um, okay. But uh, given that the last protest wasn't fined, it was clear that it complied with the laws, um, it should be OK for, for future ones. That's good to know, Chris. Um, yeah. yeah, I just, I suppose I was just playing devil's advocate there. Yeah, no, no, that's OK. It's approximately 4.55 and you're listening to an interview on the Doing Time show 3CR with Chris Breen from the Refugee Action Collective. Any final comments, Chris? Um, I would really encourage people to um, have a look at uh, the Refugee Action Collective Facebook page. Uh, come to the forum we've got on June 1. Please come to the um, uh, protest on the National Day of Action on June 13. We will have it well organised with spots for people to stand. Um, you know, the, uh, So we won't be breaching any of the, the health uh, regulations. It will be a completely safe protest. Um, there'll be details on our Facebook page. 
uh, please please get involved. The more people who get involved, the sooner we can um, you know end this horrid chapter of Australians' history and you know free the refugees in the Mantra Hotel, uh, win uh, support for refugees in the community. And the address of the Mantra Hotel. Uh, the address of the Mantra Hotel is the corner of Bell and Hotham Streets in uh, Preston. It's it's very near the corner of Bell and High Street, which is the major intersection there. Good on you, Chris. Look, thank you very much and, and take care of yourself. OK, thanks for having me on. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was Chris Green from the Refugee. And that was Chris... G'day, my name is Margie Thorpe. You are listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 on your dial. And it's the end of the Doing Time show and stay safe everybody, take care of each other and Beyond Zero is up next um, and stay tuned every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Doing Time show and Blackfella, Whitefella from Rumpy Band will be up next. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.